Vatican Radio presents Fratelli Tutti, the encyclical letter of His Holiness Pope Francis on fraternity and social friendship. Adapted for radio by Mara Michelli. English production directed by Sister Bernadette Mary Rees. Chapter 1, Part 1. Dark Clouds Over a Closed World Without claiming to carry out an exhaustive analysis or to study every aspect of our present-day experience, I intend simply to consider certain trends in our world that hinder the development of universal fraternity. Shattered Dreams For decades, it seemed that the world had learned a lesson from its many wars and disasters, and was slowly moving towards various forms of integration. For example, there was the dream of a united Europe, capable of acknowledging its shared roots and rejoicing in its rich diversity. We think of the firm conviction of the founders of the European Union, who envisioned a future based on the capacity to work together in bridging divisions and in fostering peace and fellowship between all the peoples of this continent. There was also a growing desire for integration in Latin America, and several steps were taken in this direction. In some countries and regions, attempts at reconciliation and reproachment proved fruitful, while others showed great promise. Our own days, however, seem to be showing signs of a certain regression. Ancient conflicts thought long buried are breaking out anew, while instances of a myopic, extremist, resentful, and aggressive nationalism are on the rise. In some countries, a concept of popular and national unity, influenced by various ideologies, is creating new forms of selfishness and a loss of the social sense under the guise of defending national interests. Once more, we are being reminded that each new generation must take up the struggles and attainments of past generations while setting its sights even higher. This is the path. 
goodness together with love, justice, and solidarity are not achieved once and for all. They have to be realized each day. It is not possible to settle for what was achieved in the past and complacently enjoy it, as if we could somehow disregard the fact that many of our brothers and sisters still endure situations that cry out for our attention. Opening up to the world is an expression that has been co-opted by the economic and financial sector and is now used exclusively of openness to foreign interests or to the freedom of economic powers to invest without obstacles or complications in all countries. Local conflicts and disregard for the common good are exploited by the global economy in order to impose a single cultural model. This culture unifies the world but divides persons and nations. For as society becomes ever more globalized, it makes us neighbors, but does not make us brothers. We are more alone than ever in an increasingly massified world that promotes individual interests and weakens the communitarian dimension of life. Indeed, there are markets where individuals become mere consumers or bystanders. As a rule, the advance of this kind of globalism strengthens the identity of the more powerful who can protect themselves, but it tends to diminish the identity of the weaker and poorer regions, making them more vulnerable and dependent. In this way, political life becomes increasingly fragile in the face of transnational economic powers that operate with the principle of divide and conquer. of historical consciousness. As a result, there is a growing loss of the sense of history, which leads to even further breakup, a kind of deconstructionism, whereby human freedom claims to create everything, starting from zero, is making headway in today's culture. The one thing it leaves in its wake is the drive to limitless consumption and expressions of empty individualism. Concern about this led me to offer the young some advice. If someone tells young people to ignore their history, to reject the experiences of their elders, to look down on the past, and to look forward to a future that he himself holds out, doesn't it then become easy to draw them along so that they only do what he tells them? He needs the young to be shallow, uprooted, and distrustful, so that they can trust only in his promises and act according to his plans. That is how various ideologies operate. They destroy or deconstruct all differences so that they can reign unopposed. To do so, however, they need young people who have no use for history, who
who spurn the spiritual and human riches inherited from past generations and are ignorant of everything that came before them. These are the new forms of cultural colonization. Let us not forget that peoples that abandon their tradition and either from a craze to mimic others or to foment violence or from unpardonable negligence or apathy allow others to rob their very soul, end up losing not only their spiritual identity but also their moral consistency and in the end their intellectual, economic and political independence. One effective way to weaken historical consciousness, critical thinking, the struggle for justice and the processes of integration is to empty great words of their meaning or to manipulate them. Nowadays, what do certain words like democracy, freedom, justice or unity really mean? They have been bent and shaped to serve as tools for domination, as meaningless tags that can be used to justify any action. Lacking a plan for everyone. To dominate and gain control over people is to spread despair and discouragement, even under the guise of defending certain values. Today, in many countries, hyperbole, extremism, and polarization have become political tools, employing a strategy of ridicule, suspicion, and relentless criticism in a variety of ways. One denies the right of others to exist or to have an opinion. Their share of the truth and their values are rejected, and as a result, the life of society is impoverished and subjected to the hubris of the powerful. Political life no longer has to do with healthy debates, but about long-term plans to improve people's lives and to advance the common good, but only with slick marketing techniques, primarily aimed at discrediting others. In this craven exchange of charges and countercharges, debate degenerates into a permanent state of disagreement and confrontation. Amid the fray of conflicting interests, where victory consists in eliminating one's opponents, how is it possible to raise our sights, to recognize our neighbors, or to help those who have fallen along the way? A plan that would set great goals for the development of our entire human family nowadays sounds like madness. We are growing ever more distant from one another, while the slow and demanding march towards an increasingly united and just world is suffering a new and dramatic setback. To care for the world in which we live means to care for ourselves. Yet we need to think of others more and more as a single family dwelling in a common home. Such care does not interest those economic powers that demand quick profits. Often the voices raised in defense of the environment are silenced or ridiculed, using apparently reasonable arguments that are merely a screen for special interests. In this shallow, short-sighted culture that we have created, 
Bereft of a shared vision, it is foreseeable that, once certain resources have been depleted, the scene will be set for new wars, albeit under the guise of noble claims. A Throwaway World Some parts of our human family, it appears, can be readily sacrificed for the sake of others considered worthy of a carefree existence. Ultimately, persons are no longer seen as paramount value to be cared for and respected, especially when they are poor and disabled, not yet useful, like the unborn, or no longer needed, like the elderly. We have grown indifferent to all kinds of wastefulness, starting with the waste of food, which is deplorable in the extreme. A decline in the birth rate, which leads to the aging of the population, together with the relegation of the elderly to a sad and lonely existence, is a subtle way of stating that it is all about us, that our individual concerns are the only thing that matters. In this way, what is thrown away are not only food and dispensable objects, but often human beings themselves. We have seen what happened with the elderly in certain places in our world as a result of the coronavirus. They did not have to die that way. Yet something similar had long been occurring during heat waves and in other situations. Older people found themselves cruelly abandoned. We failed to recognize that by isolating the elderly and leaving them in the care of others without the closeness and concern of family members, we disfigure and impoverish the family itself. We also end up depriving young people of a necessary connection to their roots and a wisdom that the young cannot achieve on their own. This way of discarding others can take a variety of forms, such as an obsession with reducing labor costs with no concern for its grave consequences. Since the unemployment that it directly generates leads to the expansion of poverty. In addition, a readiness to discard others finds expression in vicious attitudes that we thought long past, such as racism, which retreats underground only to keep re-emerging. Instances of racism continue to shame us, for they show that our supposed social progress is not as real or as definite as we think. Some economic rules have proved effective for growth, but not for integral human development. Wealth has increased, but together with inequality, with the result that new forms of poverty are emerging. The claim that the modern world has reduced poverty is made by measuring poverty with criteria from the past that do not correspond to present-day realities. In other times, for example, Lack of access to electric energy was not considered a sign of poverty, nor was it a source of hardship. Poverty must always be understood and gauged in the context 
of the actual opportunities available in each concrete historical period. Insufficiently universal human rights. It frequently becomes clear that, in practice, human rights are not equal for all. Respect for those rights is the preliminary condition for a country's social and economic development. When the dignity of the human person is respected, and his or her rights recognized and guaranteed, creativity and interdependence thrive, and the creativity of the human personality is released through actions that further the common good. Yet, by closely observing our contemporary societies, we see numerous contradictions that lead us to wonder whether the equal dignity of all human beings, solemnly proclaimed 70 years ago, is truly recognized, respected, protected, and promoted in every situation. In today's world, many forms of injustice persist, fed by reductive anthropological visions and by a profit based economic model that does not hesitate to exploit, discard, and even kill human beings. While one part of humanity lives in opulence, another part sees its own dignity denied, scorned, or trampled upon, and its fundamental rights discarded or violated. What does this tell us about the equality of rights grounded in innate human dignity? Similarly, the organization of societies worldwide is still far from reflecting clearly that women possess the same dignity and identical rights as men. We say one thing with words, but our decisions and reality tell another story. Indeed, doubly poor are those women who endure situations of exclusion, mistreatment, and violence, since they are frequently less able to defend their rights. We should also recognize that even though the international community has adopted numerous agreements aimed at ending slavery in all its forms and has launched various strategies to combat this phenomenon, millions of people today, children, women and men of all ages are deprived of freedom and forced to live in conditions akin to slavery. Today, as in the past, slavery is rooted in a notion of the human person that allows him or her to be treated as an object, whether by coercion or deception, or by physical or psychological duress. Human persons created in the image and likeness of God are deprived of their freedom, sold and reduced to being the property of others. They are treated as means to an end. Criminal networks are skilled in using modern means of communication as a way of luring young men and women in various parts of the world. A perversion that exceeds all limits when it subjugates women, then forces them to abort. An abomination that goes to the length of kidnapping persons for the sake of selling their organs. Trafficking in persons and other contemporary forms of enslavement 
are a worldwide problem that needs to be taken seriously by humanity as a whole. Since criminal organizations employ global networks to achieve their goals, efforts to eliminate this phenomenon also demand a common and indeed a global effort on the part of various sectors of society. You have been listening to a Vatican Radio production of Fratelli Tutti. The encyclical letter of His Holiness Pope Francis on fraternity and social friendship. Adapted for radio by Mara Micheli. English production directed by Sister Bernadette Mary Rees. In collaboration with the Vatican Publishing House, Libreria Editrice Vaticana. Featuring the voices of James Finnegan, Father Michael Kong, Thaddeus Jones, and Sister Bernadette Rees.